Welcome to the Parental Development Podcast. I'm Leah. And I'm Becca. And we're two sisters, one with kids. And one without. One with questions. And one with answers. One who's a licensed psychologist. And one who just wants everyone to hear what she has to say. We both have a heart to see parents succeed and kids thrive. In this podcast, we'll be discussing a variety of topics, all with the goal of promoting conversation and learning. Thanks for joining us. Let's chat. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Parental Development. We appreciate you being here and all the feedback and support, as always. So one of the cool things that has started to happen in light of the podcast or as a result of the podcast is being able to talk to different people and different in different spaces and kind of coordinate just additional information and getting in front of more people. And so one cool thing I had the opportunity to do over the weekend was I did an Instagram live with Carolyn, who runs the account The Peaceful Parent Project. And that was really fun and interesting just to kind of bounce ideas around and just kind of talk back and forth about different aspects of parenting, different experiences she has had, different, she's a parent coach, and so different questions and issues that parents bring to her. And so one of the things we kind of in a roundabout way talked about during that conversation was just goals as a parent. And I had been thinking about that anyway over the last, I don't know, couple weeks as I just hear from more people and see more things online and that kind of thing. So that's what I wanted to talk about today is goals. <laughs> sounds so nice and clean and buttoned up. Simplistic. And we're just going to bust it right open. So, Becca, yes. I would like to ask you what you would say or what you would guess most parents would say are their like goals for parenting. Gosh, I don't want to offend anybody with my answer as a non-parent. I think that I would say that the majority of parents have a couple goals. Number one is to raise a child that turns into a, an adult who is a decent, good, functioning human. That's what I would say is the higher higher arching goal is just to raise a good person. Mm-hmm. I think subtextually, people would maybe have an unspoken goal of having a kid that is well-behaved in public. I mean, I think we mentioned it. Nobody wants to have a kid that's a brat. I think people would, that would be a goal, would be to to have a well-behaved child. I mean, and obviously have a child that possesses all of those great qualities, those character traits, right? Like kind and empathetic and respectful and, you know, go down the line. Parents might have just heard me give those. I'm like, that is not my goal. And that is, I, that is probably fair. That is just what I am saying. I think you sell yourself short by keeping saying that you, well, you don't know because you don't have kids. I mean, like, well, you're a person that interacts with a lot of kids and has been a caregiver for a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. So, no, I think that's what a lot of people would say. What I hear when people say all this is, I just wonder somehow the like intentions of the goals and I don't know if I'm going to say this well so maybe we'll just have to talk through it and we'll get to it on the other side but I just wonder if the intentions of the goals are to make the parents feel good about themselves as Mm -hmm. opposed to actually being good for the kids do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and I don't mean that offensively 
some people might be offended by that, but I think if we're real honest, I mean, even if like I had, you know, the boys out with me at mm-hmm. Walmart or whatever, if one of them had a tantrum in Walmart, it does have to do with me because I care more in that moment. I, I tend to, and traditional parenting would tend to care more about what everyone else around me is thinking other than yeah. clearly he is in not okay right now. So what can I do for him? So even though it may be offensive, I think if we're honest with each with ourselves, you would have to agree with that on some level. Yeah, because it just seems like all of these goals, and I agree, I, and there's nothing wrong with those goals. No. We want to get to the goals like really pretty, mm-hmm. right? Like we just want it to be a real clean line of, I need to teach him character and I need it to just be easy. Mm-hmm. I need it to be easy for me mm-hmm. and I need to feel good about it and I need to not be inconvenienced. I know that might be offensive, but sometimes it just feels like these like really great and fine parenting goals come with strings attached, right? Like I only want to get there if it's like easy and convenient for me. And so if it's not, then we kind of take a left turn somewhere. And to me, it feels like we lose sight of the goal. One thing I see that made me start thinking about this is, obviously, I work with a lot of parents. I talk to a lot of parents, both in my professional life and personally, and am in some like parenting groups and that kind of thing. And a lot of what I see now or have seen over the last however many months is parents who come into those groups and say, this isn't working, or I need help, or this is crap, because I can't get my kid to stop doing X, Y, or Z. This gentle parenting thing is a hoax because my kid is still jumping on the couch, or I can't get him to stop throwing his food, or he's still talking back to me, or he's disrespectful, or he's sneaking out of the house, or, you know... Fill in the blank right. of whatever that is. And all of a sudden, we have like we're only focused on this is only working if the behavior is what I think it should be. And so then to me, it's like, then your goal is not all of these things. Your goal is to have a kid that doesn't misbehave, peer, like only that. Mm-hmm. Because how do you think you would develop all of these like really complex, hard, challenging characteristics? if not for some junk in the middle. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think, too, if I heard a parent come in into one of the gr- those groups and say that, and this is with any goal, like, you can't put a, a lot of times you can't put a time frame on that, right? Like, right. if I want to learn a new skill, like, say I want to learn a new language, oh, ideally, I would love to learn a new language in a week or a month or mm-hmm. a year, You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no time frame for that in a lot of ways. Going with that example of learning a new language, I may not be able to speak it fluently, but I I learn a few words here and there. And I would think that if you're implementing this type of parenting, realistically, the behavior is not going to stop automatically. And I understand wanting it to, right? Especially if it's like extremely frustrating or triggering for you as a parent. But just because that that one behavior that prompted, you know, this dialogue in a group hasn't stopped doesn't mean there aren't changes occurring in your child that can be right. celebrated at the same time. 
Yeah, I just want people to understand that the behavior is the learning. Mm -hmm. The behavior is the outward representation of the development. I want my kid to be, you said, a good human. I want him to not get in trouble as an adult. I want him to be appropriate and healthy. You know, one of those things is impulse control. I absolutely want my kid to learn how to manage his impulses. It's very important for adults to know how to manage their impulses. That's how people get into a lot of trouble if you cannot manage any impulses. Now, that could be legal trouble. That could be you spend all your money. That could be, you know, lots of different things. You engage in risky behaviors, whatever. We could go down a lot of different paths with that. Mm -hmm. I think what's missing is that your kid jumping on the couch is the representation of him learning that skill and learning that character quality. And that's just part of it. That's just part of the process. And to say like, well, I just need it to stop. Then I start to think like, then that is where like the learning is stunted as well. Like the development is stunted in that making the behavior go away. We're limiting their ability to learn and develop those qualities. I think I understand what you're saying, but I'm still a little foggy on when you say the behavior is the representation of the learning. I think I understand if you're just dead set on them not jumping on the couch and you just squash that and you spank them, you yell at them, you put them in timeout, whatever it is. Are you just saying that you miss the opportunity in that moment to say, I can see you really like to jump, but we can't jump on the couch. Let's like teaching them that. Or are you talking about something different? No, I think it's that. And I think if you like really take it back, like real big picture, we're talking like adolescence and even adulthood. Mm -hmm. If the only way you squash that behavior and you sent me a TikTok this, I think you sent it to me, a TikTok this week of a woman saying, I'll show you this gentle parenting doesn't work. This girl had a purse and she said, please give the purse back, please, please, please. And then was like, now watch and yelled at her and threatened her. And then she immediately put the thing back. Okay. Yep. She did a, I suppose, quote unquote, more appropriate behavior. But we missed the opportunity to develop curiosity and following directions and creativity and all those things. If all of that is squashed in childhood or it is met with fear, physical discipline, all that kind of stuff, A, that may be the only time that behavior is squashed, right? Like, so I think that's why a lot of people as they enter like adolescence, college and that kind of thing, They'll go buck wild, right? Because mm-hmm. all of a sudden, the fear is gone because my parents aren't here right. to yell at me and tell me. And so now all of a sudden, that is the only way I have learned how to manage that impulse or how to behave appropriately or how to talk respectfully is because I just knew I couldn't because I was afraid of what would happen. Right. And so then you get into adolescence where control by definition lessons, right? Just because they're with their friends more, they have more freedom, they're, you know, more mobile, all those kinds of things. Then they really have no idea what to do. And so you have created this kind of like inability to learn those skills, develop that character. And then you get to, you could have potentially really impulsive behavior again, 
the jumping on the couch is what it looks like in a two or three year old. Maybe now it's smoking weed or running away from home or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because I have all this freedom and no one ever worked with me of like, there's nothing wrong with the impulse. That impulse is how we like build that muscle. Mm -hmm. I need you to have the impulse and engage in the behavior for in order for me to help you learn how to have the impulse and do something different with it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's making sense, but I just think we're it's so short-sighted and like, just make the behavior stop. That means I'm doing well as a parent and that means my kids are doing well. But it really doesn't because all that behavior has to be addressed and taught through and worked through in order for all of those great things that we want our kids to develop to actually be developed. Yeah, that makes sense. So I guess it's the word. Would you say instead maybe it's a representation of the skill? After hearing you explain that a little bit further, I think I would say it's an opportunity to teach a skill. As opposed to maybe a representation. I think that makes it a little bit more clear, like what you're trying to say. I mean, regardless of what it is, the behavior is what triggers us as adults. And yes. so because we're triggered, then we we obviously just want the behavior to stop. But by doing that, we are missing that opportunity to yeah. teach the skill that's behind the behavior because the behavior is language. The behavior is an, is an above the water part of the iceberg, but we miss that opportunity to teach the skill that's underneath that we ultimately want them to have. And that would ultimately stop the behavior anyway. Yes. Okay. Yes. That. And I think to add to it, to add another layer of it, to me, you cannot teach all these things without having a behavior to teach through. Mm -hmm. Right. Lincoln started swim lessons. Mm -hmm. The only way to teach him to swim is to put him in the pool. Mm-hmm. He's got to go in the pool and he's got to start swimming and be terrible at it. And then somebody has to come in and say like, oh, you need to, you know, get your elbows high and kick your feet faster and all those things. He could watch a video, I suppose. I could tell him how to swim. He wouldn't be very good. And I think that's a lot of what parenting has turned into or we think that that's what it is, right, of My kid is going to talk respectfully because I tell him to or because I yell at him or because I whatever. And again, I think that only gets you so far if you're using fear-based tactics that might work in the short term because you're there and they're afraid of you. But in my mind, the real place that I teach my kids to talk respectfully is when they talk to me disrespectfully. Mm -hmm. And that to me is the pool. Right. Like that is them trying it and me saying, like, nobody, <laughs> let's try again. That is where to me the the real development happens. And so much of it seems to have just turned into again, and we've talked about this, like we just expect it to happen. Mm-hmm. We just expect all of these great things to happen. They're supposed to be empathetic and kind and whatever, just magically and always by the time they're 18. But to me, all of it all of that teaching and development happens when they mess it up, mm-hmm. as all of us do. If you think of like any skill you've learned, sports, playing an instrument, the real learning happens when you try it and you fail miserably and mm-hmm. someone comes alongside you and says like, let me explain what ha- what I think just happened. Mm-hmm. You know, you missed that shot because you didn't follow through or you didn't jump or you didn't do oh, whatever. Look at you with the sports analogy. That's the extent of my <laughs> – that's the extent of my – 
basketball. Seventh grade basketball. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. (laughs) But that only happens when you take the damn shot. Yeah. And to me, that is what our kids' behavior is, is it is always, that's just them trying and they fail miserably. Mm -hmm. I welcome it. And I know that sounds very weird. But in some ways, I welcome that misbehavior because that is where I think the real like learning and teaching and development and parenting happens. Yeah. Is when they screw it up. (laughs) I do play sports. So that analogy makes sense to me. But I think part of the problem is we view those things like kindness and respectful and all of those things. We view them as characteristics versus skills. Hmm. And so I think that could be a key Maybe thing that if you change the way that you think about those things, then it changes the way that you, I would think, changes the way you try and create those in your kids. If I just expect you to be respectful because I told you to, I can tell you how to shoot a free throw all day long. But if unless I show you how and then give you opportunities to shoot and miss and shoot and miss and shoot and make, then it never develops. Yeah, I think that might be part of the problem is that as a, and even just as a society, we view those things as characteristics and they are, but they're also skills. We have to learn how to do that. We have to be modeled to of how to do that. And I think that might be part of the disconnect is the way we even just view those things. Yeah, that's probably true. And if, again, if I put my like research psychologist hat back on. That's nature nurture, right? Yeah. To imply that those are characteristics, I think you're right. To imply that that is just a characteristic that kids are either born with, you know, or whatever, that would imply that nurture does nothing, that it's all nature. Mm-hmm. You're either born kind or respectful or empathetic or you're not. Mm-hmm. We have, I don't know how many bazillion years of research that shows that that is not true. Mm-hmm. That is part of it. Different people would argue. I would probably argue, in my mind, it's even a smaller part than nurture is. Mm -hmm. But nobody, I don't believe, would say that it's all of it. Nobody would imply that nature is 100% of the story. Minimally, people would say it's 50-50. And then, you know, depending on your how you view things, you kind of go along that spectrum. But that's probably a good distinguishing factor that, yeah, I do. And I think we've heard people say that of like, this isn't a skill. This isn't like teaching them how to read. They just are or they aren't. And again, there's just no evidence for that. Mm -hmm. People just think by saying it, and because it's something we've said forever, that that just stays true. And there are lots of things that we used to think were true that are not, we know now are not true. Mm-hmm. I mean, we used to think the world was flat. <laughs> Some people still do. <laughs> well, but if people just said like, well, it's what we've always said, like too bad. I reject your new information. I mean, okay, but that's not how we, that's not how we function anywhere else. I don't mm-hmm. know why we cannot let go of some of these things that we just know are not true. Right. We just know they're not true anymore. And so if you think that, I uh, implore you to do just a little bit of research. You could do, there's all kinds of studies and data about how how empathy develops and how kindness develops and how impulse control develops. And there are whole people who, that they study that one thing their whole life and just pump out research about it. So I do think you're right in that people think that. 
I just think they're wrong. <laughs> I think they're wrong if they think that because there's just we just have so much information that t- shows us that that is not true. These are things that can be taught and developed. Mm-hmm. And giving our kids the opportunity to mess it up, and I mean mess it up big. Knowing all the factors that go into that, which we've talked about for the last, you know, 20 some episodes, mm-hmm. that makes it harder just as a human to do some of those things. You know, we went out for lunch today and it was terrible service. And I am a person that gets hangry. (laughs) And so it took a good like 30 to 45 minutes to get our food. And I was hungry when we got there. (laughs) And so I could, (laughs) I could feel myself. I mean, it's like the, um, what's it called on a stick of dynamite? You know, the wick. No, that's a candle. That's a candle. Oh. <laughs> What's it called? Uh, I don't know. Whatever that thing is, it burns down before it blows yeah. up. I could feel that shortening. I could feel it burning <laughs> down. And I thought like I, and it was me and Ben and all three kids, we had journey with us. And I thought like, this is when I do not do my best work as a parent. <laughs> Bad things happen. <laughs> Bad things happen. Ben knows to like clear the room if I get hangry. And that, again, is me as a grown-up to know. And that is just what we know about humans. These things are harder when you have other things impinging on your resources. Mm -hmm. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired, right? That halt. Those are like the top four probably. But all of it, stressed, anxious, worried, Mm -hmm. fearful, whatever. Fill in. You could put any word in there. These things are harder. To not give our kids that same grace and that Mm. same permission to be a little jerk when they are hangry is unfair. Mm -hmm. If I get special treatment, (laughs) and I do when I'm hangry, (laughs) we just have to extend that same grace to our kids to know, yep, they're they're trying. This is them shooting the free throw. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to let them miss (laughs) and then... Maybe one in five times they're going to make it and talk Mm -hmm. to me respectfully. Now, again, that does not mean there is no boundary around that, right? Like, I think people hear that and think, you just let your kids Mm -hmm. walk all over you. You just let them do whatever they want Mm -hmm. because you're trying to, one out of five times they talk to you respectfully. Mm -hmm. That is not what I'm saying. I actually have fairly tight boundaries around certain things. So it's not that like it is a free-for-all. It is about understanding within that boundary, they can function anywhere in there and we're okay. Mm -hmm. Knowing that I can't control what comes out of their mouth and I can't control where their body is. But the boundaries hold regardless. While we're letting them test these things out, we still are saying you know, you can be mad you can't talk to me that way. And at night saying, what happened today? You were kind of, you lost your mind for a minute. And that's okay. And I understand that we got to figure out a better way to talk about it. We got to figure out a different way for you to say that. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that you just like, let your kids use your couch as a trampoline either. I'm not saying that. You certainly can move them off that couch and you cannot let them back up there. And you can Give them something else to jump on. There's lots of things. And when we talk about boundaries, we talk about only things I can control. I can control moving them off that couch or not letting them up there. 
But the just shutting down of the behavior Mm -hmm. isn't what it's about. Mm -hmm. So again, I know people hear me say some things like this, and they really just think I let all hell break loose. Mm -hmm. And that's not what I'm saying. Um, You can impose the boundary and do it in a respectful way and teach the skill either in that moment or later. Right. Like you said, of like, your body really needs to move. We can't jump on the couch. So what do you want to do? Do you want to go run outside? Do you want to go to the park? Mm-hmm. Do you want to jump on the trampoline? Do you want to do something else? So again, it's not punishing the behavior. It's recognizing like your body needs to move. You need to learn what your body feels like when your body's telling you it needs to move. Let's go figure out a, a more appropriate way to do that because mm-hmm. jumping on the couch is not okay. That's the boundary. Mm-hmm. And you hold it and you hold it tight. Mm-hmm. But you don't punish or, cha- or shame or impose fear or those kinds of things in order to do it. Yeah. I just hear the message that we've said over and over and over again. This has so much more to do with you as a, the adult than it does the kid. Because if I am not in a healthy, regulated state as an adult... I am not able to, in that moment when the kid will not stop jumping on the couch, I am not able to say something like that. Buddy, I can see, like, you really want to bounce. Like, can't jump on the couch. Let's go jump over here. Let's go jump outside. That is a calm, rational, uh, regulated conversation that I have to be in a certain frame of mind and body to have. And in order to do that, I can't let that thing be triggering to me, whatever that is. And it might be some people, it it might be jumping on the couch because when you grew up, you didn't even hardly sit on the couch. It was covered in plastic and you weren't even allowed to go on it. So whether it's that or whether for us, it was disrespectful, like that was the thing. You will not talk to me that way. So if you get any even kind of a tone or a side eye or a a eye roll or anything, you are triggered beyond belief. And that has Mm -hmm. everything to do with you and very, very little to do with your kid. I'm going to go back to the free throw analogy, right? There are boundaries when I shoot a free throw. I have to stand behind the three-point line. I have 10 seconds to shoot the free throw. Like I can't cross the line until the ball hits the rim. There are boundaries, Mm -hmm. but I still have to be able to try and shoot and miss or make it. And it is, it has so much more. I mean, for me, and I don't even have kids and I just realized like how over the years and I've, I've watched, I don't know how many kids in all of my years and how I have let my own stuff affect how I talk to kids, how I interact with kids. And it has everything to do with me, everything to do with me. And I think that that ultimately, I think that that's what, and I could be totally wrong. That is what a lot of people have a problem with about this type of parenting, whether they want to say that or not, they can say that this might be extremely unfair. And if I'm offending anyone, I'm sorry. This is just my observation. But you can say all day long, this is a crock of crap because my kid won't stop back talking to me or talking back to me. I don't think that that's it. And I'll personalize it because if we were in a, in a more calm, healthy, regulated state as adults, we could in that moment stay calm and have a conversation and teach our kids rather than being triggered by their behavior. But again, as we've said over and over and over again, that is hard work. And that is that is a big responsibility 
that we have that I think a lot of times we just shirk onto kids, like you said, and it's extremely unfair because not only do they not have the, like the brain development, like they don't have the, they don't know how. Right. That's just so unfair. Yeah. I'm gonna get off my soapbox now. Well, I think it's all, I mean, it's all important and it's, I mean, it's just so frustrating of why we, we have these expectations of kids and why we just expect them to know certain things and be able to do certain things. I feel like it has to be because our parents expected it of us. I really do because, because it's so ingrained in us. I feel yeah. like that's the only reason why. Because those are the messages that were wired in us that we really have no control over, right? Right. From the time we start, we came into our quote unquote terrible twos. You can't tell me no. Don't tell me no. Like yeah. those are the messages that got f- wired deeply in us that we cannot shake. I feel like it has to be that. It has to be that because otherwise yeah. any other thing we're somewhat willing to give on a little bit. And again, I'm sure it's a generational thing. Their parents expected it of them. So they expected it of us. And now we expect it of our kids. But I feel like that could be the only reason. Yeah, I think it's that. Mostly I do think it's that. And I think wrapped up in that is all of the identity stuff that goes along with being a parent and parenting. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about this a ton too. And we talked about this. I talked about this with Carolyn on Saturday. There is such shame, Mm -hmm. shame that you feel as a parent when your kid gets in trouble at school or they don't act right in the grocery store or you know, a stranger comes up to you and criticizes something you do, or I mean, all the things. And that is at even like a fever pitch at this point in our history of like, Mm -hmm. just so much criticism coming at us. So I do think it's that, you know, the messages we got, and it's wrapped up in the just this like identity of, yeah, that's true, It makes you a good person, or a bad person. And somehow, you know, you're just supposed to know or your kids are just supposed to know. I also want to add and just make very clear, and I think we say this every time that like this is hard and this is hard work and it's the hardest thing you'll ever do. Just like it's hard for me to like be my best self when I'm hungry. Those parents that are right, single parents, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. parents in abusive relationships, parents with mental health issues, Mm -hmm. parents with trauma histories, parents, I mean like Line them up. And I mean, the fact that you're just putting one foot in front of the other some days yes, is uh-huh. like yeah. something to be celebrated. That's right. And the fact even that you're listening here and thinking like, maybe I could do something different should be celebrated. Agreed. And so I know this, that I make it sound so simple. It's like, oh, just do this and say this and don't worry about that and let the behavior go and all those things. That it is simple, but it's incredibly hard. And so I don't want to lose sight in that to know, mm-hmm. honestly, it's a celebration that you're even considering doing something different. And then it just has to be the tiniest of things. Just the tiniest of things can make a difference and make a change. Mm-hmm. And you don't, I understand that I'm a little bit of a looney tune when it comes to these things. And like, I'm <laughs> on the fringe. Mm-hmm. Of this. I know that about myself. I'm okay with that. You don't have to come where I am. Mm-hmm. But if you even start like a little something, right? You start yelling less or you start hitting less or mm-hmm. shaming less or maybe not even doing it less, but just now 
You think about it when you do it. Mm -hmm. And you have something in your mind that says like, yep, I did it again. And that's where you start. Mm -hmm. All of that is progress and truly should be celebrated. I don't want to lose sight of that to know that like, yes, I have a lot of resources at my disposal that many, many people do not. I'm very aware of that. I am thankful for that. But I do not kid myself to think that that does not make this easier for me. It 100% does. And so I just never want to come across as though like, right, yeah, <laughs> everybody can just get where I am in like the, the blink of an eye. Because I just don't believe that. And so I want us to continue to say that and to know that like, yes, you're doing the best you can. And it's good enough. It mm-hmm. is good enough. I promise mm-hmm. you it's good enough. And all I think we're here to do is encourage and coach and Mm -hmm. support and teach and guide and give just maybe a little bit of a different perspective that might take you like, yeah, yeah, Yeah. one more minuscule step forward. Mm -hmm. And then we'll celebrate that and we will throw a party for that. Yeah. And that is all good enough. Agreed. All right. I think we're going to leave it there. I hope this was helpful and... Like we said, maybe just challenge challenged your thinking just a little bit or brought a new perspective perhaps to some of what we're doing here. So we appreciate you and we will talk to you again next week. Bye guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Parental Development. If you found this helpful at all, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you choose to stream. And if you have questions that you'd like answered on the show, email info at parentaldevelopment.com. We'd love to hear from you to know that someone else is actually listening. And remember, we're all doing the best we can in this parenting thing. So survive the day and keep the kids alive. See you next time.